You know what? A great mother's gift for Eva and I would be to have all those in that back row, all those, to come forward a bit because we are so scattered and it's not very nice to speak to a scattered crowd. So do you love us? Yeah, come forward. Come on, I'm giving you some time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as you are coming up, just to introduce ourselves, I'm Irene, I'm a mother of three boys, and Eva and I will be sharing this pulpit this morning, and Eva is a mother of two boys and two girls. Thank you. Back in the 1980s, when my kids were still young and my parents were still alive, a term was coined for our demographic or my generation. We were called the sandwich generation. We were sandwiched between caring for our young kids and caring for our aging parents. From all fronts, it was a challenging task. And there are many families, young families in our church today, who will be facing or who are already facing this task. And that is why on this Mother's Day, Eva and I will try to address this issue from our personal perspective. I will share from the perspective of an aging parent, when my sons are now called the sandwich generation, and Eva will share from the perspective of having taken care of aging parents. Between Chuck and I, we had to confront our own mortality three times in the span of 15 years. The joke going around in our household is, soon our roles with our sons will be reversed. We started by taking care of them, changing their diapers, feeding them, holding their hands when they were learning to walk. Soon, they will be holding our hands, feeding us, and changing our diapers. Bazinga, Nathaniel. <laughs> In 1999, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. The kids were young then, and I remember having this conversation with God. God, I'm not ready to go yet. The kids are still young. They still need me. There are so many things I want to teach them, and I want to be there for their major milestones, graduating from high school, graduating from college, getting their first job, getting married. And I remember I was not greedy. I, I said, it's okay, God, if I don't live long enough to see grandkids, just long enough to launch my boys into the world. All throughout my treatment, I suffered from panic attacks. 
God, in His mercy, did give me some more time. When faced with my mortality, my parenting took on a new perspective. I may not be able to control my time on Earth, but I can parent with an eternal mindset, teaching values that will last long after I'm gone. Popular TV analyst, author. David Brooks, not sure if he's a Christian, shared his own thoughts on the subject of pursuing resume virtues and eulogy virtues in his TED talks. He said the resume virtues are the ones that you worked all your life to get. To put into your resume and to impress whoever is hiring you, and the eulogy virtues are the ones that get mentioned in your eulogy. He has spent his whole life pursuing resume virtues, and is now on a journey pursuing kindness, goodness, love, and trying to live in a way. That honors God and creation, and the many possibilities that present. Surely, his eulogy virtues are reflected in Galatians 5:22 to 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And these are the eternal values I want to instill in my sons. So, on this Mother's Day, I thought it would be good to ask this question: How do I want my sons to remember me? Long after I'm gone, what would they remember? What would they see? What would they do? Would they remember that I love and fear God, that I'm committed to use my meager gifts to serve God and to care for others, however imperfectly? And would they then? Live out their lives to do likewise. Loving and fearing God translates into providing my sons with a strong marriage model, and this is tough because it is never easy for two sinful people to live in an audience of impressionable minds. We know that we have to walk the talk. Our public lives must conform to our private lives, and Chuck and the boys will tell you how often I failed. My prayer is that they will remember the good times and learn from the bad. Our children need to feel the security of our marriage, see our love for each other, in order to grow into people. 
who would love God. Loving and fearing God also means recognizing my son's strengths and weaknesses and not impose unrealistic expectations on them. I want them to remember a fun-filled childhood where they had plenty of time to play while their friends were being shuttled from one enrichment class to another. We were chasing every fishing hole and playground we can find. Loving and fearing God also means letting them go so that they can be who God wants them to be. And this is so hard, but it must be done. In return, I had not expected that God would use them to bless me. Ben went to Chicago and found a nurturing community where he thrived. He even found mother and father figures to share his life. I must confess, I was jealous that I could be replaced. But at the same time, I was thankful that God had placed strategic people in his life to help him grow. Visiting Ben in Chicago is like going on a short-term missions trip. Ben and a, a bunch of buddies lived in low-cost housing where World Vision resettles a lot of refugees from all over. And I was introduced to living amongst the refugees. It was like a micro United Nations a lot, very noisy, and a lot of yelling. I brought with me books and games for the children, and I was invited to their homes for their meals. They wanted to meet me because they appreciate the work that Ben and his buddies are doing in their community. See, the, Ben and his buddies, they all have their full-time jobs, then they are all serving God in their local congregations. And yet, together, they choose to live amongst them so that they can minister to these people who do not have the language to express their needs. Nathaniel chose to stay around, but he did something that really stretched my faith and trust in God. He decided to leave his job, spend six months in an orphanage in Haiti as an intern, and on top of that, he had us adopting a teenager from Haiti. Now, never in a million years would Chuck and I have foreseen that we would do that. And Jude has been with us now for two years, and he's slowly beginning to feel comfortable and a part of the family. And as his Mother's Day gift to me, he washed my car inside out and vacuumed my room. <laughs> Having been a Christian for so many years, I can get complacent and lazy. And I want my sons to know that God had used them to renew and refresh my vision for ministry.
My sons have taught me to live out of my comfort zone. They gave me new avenues of ministry alongside them. Ben said recently, "Don't worry, Mom. Between Nathaniel and I, we got all our bases covered. He looks after the orphans, and I take care of the widows and the refugees." James 1:27 says, "Religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this: to look after orphans and widows." In their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, and Psalm 146:9 says, "The Lord watches over the aliens and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but He frustrates the ways of the wicked." So I can see somewhere down the road, my retirement plans would include working with refugees and orphans. To start off my bucket list. A few months ago, or a few sermons ago, Chuck talked about a woman who wrote her own obituary. She had lived a rich, productive life, enjoying friends, children, grandchildren, and she made this very poignant point about the brevity of life. She said, "I was born. I blinked, and it was all over." This resonated so much with me. Where did all the time go? Just this year, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. This time, I did not have panic attacks. And this time, my conversation with God went like this: "Well, God, whatever time is left is a bonus from you. My job is done in the lives of my sons. My legacy is in the lives they are now living, loving and fearing you, serving you, and caring for others." Good morning. My name is Eva Yu. It's hard to follow her. Well, as you can see, I'm holding a cane. I don't think it's a reflection of my age. Hopefully not. Even though I've been alluded to that we were one day needing the help of assistant、um, canes,、um, I would like to think I was laying out on the frisbee field.、It、didn't happen.、Um, instead, I was baking. Pulling out a tray from the shelf and hurt my back. So, Pastor Chuck asked Irene and me to share about our journeys.、Um, he gave us two topics: leaving your children legacy and how to say goodbye to your parents. Well, Irene chose the legacy one, so I must confess this is not an easy topic to share, but I will share. I don't like to say goodbye. It has a finality to it, the finality that that ends with an emphatical period. However, looking back, there were three significant moments in my life when I had to say goodbye to my parents. Well, 
The first two times I did it without thinking, and I hurt them in the process, especially my moms. But the third time was different. It was intentional. The first time I started,、um, I said goodbye. Was a physical departure. It was the time I went off to college, as some of you will soon go off to college or have already gone. I left eagerly embracing my future. I didn't look back. Coming home on vacation was a kind of a chore, like an expected chore. Our home, our home had four children. Well, within five years, well, we were pretty close in age. Actually, four children within three years. They were close family. So at one point, there were four of us in different universities, 500 miles radius. Try to imagine that time when we come home on Christmas or holidays. You know, it would be festive for the time for the week that we are there. The house will feel small because not because of the size of the small or because we've grown physically, but because of our growing egos. Our conversation did not include mom; she was not, you know, with it. Or you know, so we thought we thought she was not, you know, smart enough to catch. But but nonetheless, every time we went home, mom made it a great, great festive time. She would cook all our favorite foods, and she would sit and be the peacemaker behind the scene. Our dad would join us once in a while because, as you know,、uh, as some of you know, my father worked as a businessman overseas, so he would join us. So, at the end of each vacation, as each one of the children leave home, mom would be the only person left. It did not occur to me at that time how my mom would have felt, because as we run off.、Um, As we run off to our future, there's very little room for the past. I said goodbye to my mom physically. The next significant time in my life that I said goodbye to my mother was a mental separation. This is the moment I got married. The Bible did command that the husband and wife must leave their parents and cleave to each other and become one. So, embracing that thought, I thought. I was becoming one with my husband and building up our own family. My parents' ways no longer applied, because my parents were not Christian and they did not grow up in the States. So my separation with them from them was was pretty brutal in hindsight. You know, I would judge the way my mom parented. You know, words like bonding, schedule, or feeding schedule,、um, communicating with your kids. Discipline, diet, didn't occur in her dictionary, and I thought she was being backward. I did that mental separation, without mercy, without grace, without kindness. My mom took it, took it in stride. As I grew older and mature, it occurred to me that my mom was not a Christian, and they're aging. You know, there will come the moment that I will have to face God, and then in eternity, we may be forever separated. I didn't want that kind of spiritual separation from my mom. So we started to pray. I started to pray. How can I communicate the love of God to a language that my mom understands? You see, when a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to listen, to hear it, to see it, does it make a sound? If God wanted me to transmit His love to my mom, and she did not feel it, did I love her? So we made conscious effort. In 1996 and 
My husband was kind and he was really kind and generous. He took a sabbatical from work. For a whole year, he accepted an invitation in Taiwan, and we moved there. There were two universities there that offered us housing. We had four children, all of them under six at the time. Family of six went to Taiwan. Instead of staying in the university housing, we decided to room with my parents. They lived in a high-rise building somewhere in the outskirts of Taiwan, in the outskirts of Taipei. And in the middle of this building, a family of six moved into a retiree's family home. We made the year work because God is good; He is awesome. We even invite, um, found um, babysitters to watch over our four children. So once a month, we had a date night with my parents. It was cool. We try new restaurants. We spend time with them, just us and them. And then I went to a senior college with my dad to learn to use Microsoft Document in Chinese. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. So my dad has his first email account. Yes, during that for, you know、uh, one year, my children were covered in soot every time they came home from playground because the car fume. Yes, some of them developed health ha-、uh, problems because of the toxic, you know, the pollutants in the air. Two of my children were bullied because my children didn't speak Chinese and obviously didn't look Chinese. Oh well, not to the locals anyway.、Um, but we had a great time. It was a time well spent, and my parents received the love. That sown a seed, a seed of acceptance. That my parents realize that we are loving them, and not just coming back demanding something of them. So in the next 14 years, I lived in Boston. My parents lived in Asia, different places. You know, we held up our, you know, our we nourished our relationship by weekly phone calls and annual visits between the two continents. My parents would come by to stay with us, or we would go back and visit with them. These times were well spent. Until my youngest son goes to high school, then I will leave the children behind, and my husband will stay with the children so I can visit my parents on my own. Once again, I was a child in their household. That was great. I didn't realize how much my parents missed me, miss having a child around. How much they miss parenting somebody. They enjoy telling me what to eat, where to buy my clothes. How to dye my hair to cover the gray? <laughs> yes, they enjoyed that. They enjoyed babying me. I know that they loved my husband. They certainly loved my children. But there's nothing compared to the love they have for having a child around. It was great. 2010, my father suffered his third stroke. In April 2010, my Herculean father had to. Be confined to a hospital bed for the next 14 months. It is hard to see your father losing his memory, cannot recognize you,、um, cannot walk, cannot talk, hooked up. But we get to go back. My siblings and I. We made our trips several times a year. Sometimes as a family, sometimes by ourselves. We went to visit. So during that time, we had a conversation among the four siblings. What would happen to mom when dad passed? You see, my mom was a romantic person. She has this grandiose idea 
We thought, and it may not sound pleasant, but we thought that at the moment of my father's passing, that my mom, there's a very high probability that my mom would take her life. Because that feeds to her no, romantic notion. So unless we were able to prepare for her health care, prepare for her mental care, prepare for her physical care, and present it to her seamlessly, then this eventuality may become a reality. But by God's grace, many miracles happened. That my father accepted the Lord in April 2011, passed away in June, that two months later, that God allowed my mom to live on. She had stashed away a huge pile of sleeping pills, we found out later. But she lived on. Now mom was to come to live with me. Um, we decided that among the four children, it was most plausible for her to stay with us. Um, our family is most stable, even though we're physically the farthest from her. So I came back with the news and told my family, please pray, because now we need to provide care, 24-7 care, for a mother who is emotional, unbridled, for my mother who had no health care. She has diabetes, heart disease, uh, she had kidney disease, and she also has um, high blood pressure. We had to provide a care for my mom the way my dad had been. And I asked my family to pray. Once again, by the grace of God, each one of the family members, my husband included, gave them their blessings. So mom came. During the time mom was here, she came in August, hoping to stay until the end of September because she didn't like the cold. So we thought we would just love her so much so John 13.35 would be a reality. That we would love her so much as Christ had become a man so that we can understand God's love. We will become like mom so she will see the love of God through us. During the time that she was with us, she was admitted into a hospital emergency twice. She was seeing kidney dialysis specialist twice a week. We managed. We also managed to get her a social security card and got her on Medicare. Yeah. Through the love of the fellowship that I was part of, my mom saw the love of God in the form that strangers to her would bring her food, bring her flour. She saw the love of God in action, people that have nothing to do with her. And then she realized that God's love is not the fuzzy feeling kind of love. God's love is in submission, in humility, and building up one another. She saw her grandson getting baptized, my youngest child, who was a um, junior in high school at the time. Yes, he got baptized. So my mom asked about faith, baptism, relationship with God. Behind my husband and my back, when we went out on a date one night, mom was watching these two high school students. My children later told me that their grandmother prayed a prayer of repentance. The night before my mom, well, at the end of September, my mom was packed up to leave. It was a beautiful day, and we did everything she liked, and we had a great time. 
The last conversation she said before she left was saying, I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. Sometimes in the middle of the night, my mom passed away. Yeah, she passed away with a smile on her face in the middle of the night. The six and a half weeks that she spent with us was a blessing and mercy God has for me. And I thank God. So this, this Mother's Day, if your mother's around, make sure that you let her know the love of God. That is real. Not what you think of love. Yes, your mother is growing older, as my children remind me every day. But just as today, she once took care of you when you are unable to, and extended compassion when you are ignorant. Please be patient with us and extend compassion and patience. Say a prayer for your mom or your dad on this Mother's Day. And enjoy the blessing that God has given you in the form of your parents. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for our mothers and our fathers. We know that we are not in this household by coincidence. For you said that you have needed us together in our mother's womb. We thank you for the privilege to be counted in your kingdom, worthy to become the children of these wonderful people. And we pray that you will heal us where we were wounded, comfort us where we were in distress, heal us, and be, bless us so that our parents will see the love of Christ through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.